0: Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. We join in the line now by Nadir Token, investment analyst at Twenty 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. So, Nadir, let's start by talking about the Amazon purchase of Whole Foods. Yes, Sakina, I mean, this really, really rocked the the retail market in the U.S., or the food retail market in the U.S., you know, where we saw uh, other food retailers, the likes of uh, Walmart and some of the other smaller operators, um, you know, their share prices really coming under severe pressure on Friday, you know, and it just gives you the kind of aura that's being built up around Amazon and, uh, you know, their systemic rise, um, you know, in the the retail world, uh, in the U.S. and across the world, and the kind of fear they inspire when they enter a market, you know, and uh, given the kind of success that Amazon has had in the online retail world, um, you know, I think all all competitors and all industry participants, uh, you know, really fear them entering the industry and what this actually means for that industry. But uh, Sakina, if you break down some of the numbers and if you look at some of the sentiments, um, you know, $13.7 billion purchase price, uh, which is a 27% premium um, to the Thursday closing market value of Whole Foods, so uh, you know the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Amazon really paying up uh, for this purchase, and I think it's a tacit, um, it 's a tacit indication uh, to the market that uh, you know it 's very difficult to get food retail rights in the online world. you have to have a big distribution network of refrigerated distribution, which is uh, fairly expensive to, to 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 copy and fairly complicated to copy the the, the retail distri- or the food retail distribution chain um, you know by purely having an online presence. Um, You know, so if we see that, if we looked at how competitor Walmart has behaved with, uh, you know, adding quite a significant amount of e-commerce assets to their portfolio over the last couple of years, most notably Jet.com paying $3.6 billion for that last year, um, you know, it seems to be uh, some sort of indication that the way forward for retail um, globally and certainly in the U.S. is going to be a combination of physical presence and online presence. Now, the physical presence retailers is obviously significantly lagged, um, Amazon and the likes of other re- re- online retailers, uh, but, uh, you know, I think food retail is a completely different game. $800 billion market in total in the U.S. We're seeing a number of other global uh, food retailers, uh, the likes of some German food retailers in particular entering that market trying to get a piece of that action. And, uh, you know, Amazon really making their mark clear that food retail is a one avenue for growth on the on, on the way forward and a phenomenally well-run company. Um, you know, and uh, the, the, the model in food retail is, expe- is exceptionally complicated to build from the ground up and possibly even more expensive than making an acquisition. So, um, you know, Amazon has decided to go this route and, uh, you know, it could really disrupt Walmart given their 26% market share um, of, the, of, of the food retail market in the US and we'll have to see how this one plays out. But Amazon making their mark in the food retail and entering the physical world um, in, a, in a significant way with this hefty, online, uh, with this hefty physical retail presence. Um, you know, if we look at the size of the deal relative to history, it's the 11th largest retail deal um, ever done, and it's the 4th largest retail deal done in the U.S., so uh, Amazon making their mark in the physical world, Sakina and um it's going to be interesting to see competition wise whether that uh, does make any significant difference though Nadir but moving along uh, the burning question of what to do with Nasper's ramp yeah, Sakina, I mean, it, it, it's quite an interesting one because NASPERS, you know, uh, the, the entire fund management industry and possibly even the public of South Africa um, knows that NASPERS really just trades on the back of its stake in Tencent, the, the Chinese e-commerce company and the Chinese online retailer. Um, you know, and I think if you look at re- what the, what the ramp of the business, that's the, the, the assets excluding Tencent, what they've done um, over the last couple of years, they've just de- continued to be in free fall and decline in value. So, you know, in fact, at the moment, they even ascribe a negative value of around about 300 billion rand. Um, and the way you get to that is that if you, market, if you take the stake of NASPERS in 10 cents and add that market cap to, to NASPERS, it's about 300 billion rand over the current market cap of NASPERS, implying that the rest of the assets are actually given a negative value of 300 billion. Now, you know, while it's quite normal for investment-holding companies to trade at a discount to the underlying assets that they own, and it's not uncommon, and you see exactly the same thing with Remgro and the J C, uh, given its uh, relative stakes in British American Tobacco, Mediclinic and other assets, it also trades at a discount to the NAV of its underlying assets. I think the issue around NASPERS is the extent of that negative value and how it's really just escalated over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, you can illustrate it by a simple example where if you invested 10,000 Rand um, in, in NASPERS shares at the beginning of 2015, your 10,000 Rand today would be worth about 16,500 Rand. Now, had you invested the same 10,000 Rand in 10-cent 10 sh- shares listed in Hong Kong, that would be worth over 27,000 Rand. Now, uh, you know, that you that, that an indication of, uh, you know, the kind of value destruction we've seen in the core assets. Now, you know, there's a lot of active investors who are addressing the issue openly with Naspers and saying that, uh, you know, there should be something like an unbundling of uh, 10 cents and, 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 and the Naspers rump assets or the core assets and the, the two should should trade separately, and remuneration of the executive should be based on the performance of the core assets. Because essentially, what they're doing is destroying value there. And obviously, Nasdaq responded to that as well, mentioning that a lot of the investments in the non cent assets um, are still in very much early phase and are sucking up a lot of cash. Uh, but they, 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 they um, you know, predict that that's going to start adding value, uh, you, you know, to shareholders um, over the next couple of years as those cash, as those cash sucking businesses really turn into cash-generative businesses rather than the next couple of years and start adding value to shareholders. So, you know, I think an unbundling for now is unlikely to be seen, given that those businesses are a lot of them still in the startup phases and not making profits. Um, You know, that is something for the market to keep an eye on to ensure that management at NASPERS are not actually, you know, destroying value in the rest of the business outside of Tencent. And just a quick final one, Nadir. Uh, We'll be talking about the latest mining charter, but what's the impact of a lack on investment on economic growth? Yeah, Sakina, I mean, if you look at this, uh, it, it's been quite interesting. And you mentioned the mining charter, and let's look at some of the numbers there. Um, you know, if you look at since the end of tw- or since the year 2012, on average, across the entire industry, again, just on average, the mining sector has been shedding around 1,200 jobs a month. Um, you know, if you look at it, we are in excess of 65,000 jobs uh, down in the mining sector on a net basis over the last five years. And that's obviously had quite a drastic impact in terms of, uh, you know, that contribution to economic growth. If you look at it over the period, it's averaged around about 7.5% contribution to the overall South African economy, and that's well below its 8% historic average, um, you know, in prior years. So, you know, that the lack of investment is fairly evident to see there. I mean, if you take the gold sector as just an example of, uh, you know, what's gone on, we see that a decade ago, the gold sector employed about 167,000 people in South Africa, and South Africa contributed. Just over 10% to total global gold output. Um, if you fast forward the picture to today, South Africa contributes less than four and a half percent to total gold output. So, whereas we are one of the leading gold uh, producers in the world a decade ago, um, we fairly—I wouldn't say fairly insignificant, but significantly less relevant um, in the gold sector today. Given the lack of investment we've seen there, given that you know commodity prices coming under pressure, driving a lack of investment, and you know the evidence is quite clear to see with a number of retrenchments and with the impact that has on growth. If we look at this picture relative to globally, um, you know, Citibank and uh, UBS are saying that, uh, you know, uh, investment spend globally or CAPEX spend globally is going to accelerate by about 3 to 5% uh, the, uh, uh, in, in the year 2017 relative to the year 2016. And it's going to be the first annual rise in corporate investment spend that we've seen since 2012. And if you look at that, um, you know, in, in contrast, the global economy economic growth picture for this year is accelerating by probably about 1.5 percentage points to in excess of 3.5% this year from uh, you know, below 2.5% or 2% uh, last year. So you know, the impact of the, that investment unlocking further economic growth and having a multiplier effect uh, is undoubted if you just contrast those two pictures of the South African mining sector uh, relative to the global economic picture and the CAPEX spending happening there. Well, oh, we'll leave it there for this morning. Thank you so much, Nadia Token, Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers.